Well, it's great to be here on this, in the heights of a Hazelmere. But if you have a Bible, would you turn with me to Psalm 121? We're not... The Psalms of Ascent are... Um, you have 15 Psalms, a little hymnal. The Jews were expected to go to, his, to Jerusalem probably three times a year if they could do it, but at least once, to either uh, Passover in the spring and then a bit later um, Pentecost or in the autumn to Tabernacles, the different festivals. So they would trek these uh, miles if like walking to Oxford or even Birmingham if you live really in the north of the country. It's a long way. Depends how old you are. The sun would beat down for the, the day. And uh, it was a dangerous passage as well. But they went. And as they went, they sang particularly these songs, these 15 songs. And we're going to start probably with the most familiar one, which some of you have riper years. You may have learned as a child at school from the authorized version. But uh, I'll read from the New International Version. Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Well, as we said, these trips to Jerusalem could be very dangerous. The, uh, you know, you could go over on your ankle and sprain your ankle. You could get an infectious disease. You could, there were thieves and robbers. And it was quite a tough terrain if you were in the north of the land or the hot south. It was a, a hard journey, depending on your age. And the Psalms are important because the Christian life is a journey. And it's not easy. It's not easy at all. Uh, even, you know, we've prayed for the young folk. And, you know, think about beginning life. Um, you know, and it, it covers every, this psalm covers every area of life. And as do the rest of the psalms. Um, because, you know, from adolescence into, well, teenage to young adult to midlife to getting older to retirement to, to our last days. This covers them all. But as, you know, as we pray and as we pray for our young people, our children, our grandchildren, it's hard it's, and we need help. You know, we live in a world of the drug situation is huge in our schools, in our culture. The pornography thing is a massive thing, massive, which um, affects 90% of men, they say, are attracted to and many women. And then all the other things of, of this life that would pull you off any God-ordained path. And so we need help. We need help. And, and that's what this psalm's about. We need help. And the psalmist, you know, he knows an accident can happen. Um, an accident can happen. It can happen, you know, in, on the roads, on the sports field. 
Um, you know, it can happen falling down the ladder in the sta- uh, in home. Um, and, and life is full, it's, it's, it's difficult. And, and then we live in a culture where there is a fear of terrorism on the pla- on a train, on a plane, walking down the street in London. And we live in a culture of, of fear. And that the, the, the police are doing all they can, bless them, to, to protect us. Who would have ever thought the Christian festivals this year would be surrounded by police with automatic rifles? Which they are, which is great. I mean, you know, thank God for them in that sense. But that's our culture. And if you're a worrier, you'll worry. <laughs> because there's a lot to worry about and then you, in one sense. But we need help. And that's where, why we're here. That's what this psalm's all about. And the psalmist says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Now, the problem is, is that the hills are the problem. I, on a superficial level, hills are, are lovely things. They can be inspiring. When I got the M6 and I see Falton Knot, Whitborough Scar and the Howgills, I think, well, this is the, we're, we're home. This is the real country, you know. <laughs> it's beautiful. But, you know, that, that, that help is, is passing. It's superficial. Likewise, religion can be like that. As, we, as these people came into Jerusalem, they could see the hills round Zion, round Jerusalem, and think, ah, yes, you know, the old familiar things, the temple and, and the church, you know, what a blessing. Well, and, and Bethel, the house of God. But actually, it doesn't have to be a blessing house of God, unfortunately. You have to progress. A.W. Tozer, the American writer, says you've got to progress from Bethel, the house of God, to El Bethel, the God of the house of God. But the real problem here, and this is what the psalm's about, why does he mention the hills? Because actually the hills are a hindrance. Because he knows, certainly when Israel came back from Babylon, that the hills were filled with what the Bible calls high places where the priests of Baal and the sun priests and moon priests would build their temples and their Asherah poles and their shrines and they would plant groves where male and female prostitutes would, would, would offer their services and they would offer help for the travelers. They were offering help. You, know, you had to pay for it, of course. It's all through money at the end. But they would offer you protection. The moon priests would offer you amulets to protect you against the moon, and then they would, if you indulge in these sexual practices, they offered protection, and they would say, and they would say charms over, and the Baal priest would offer you protection. They would say incantations over you, and all that nonsense. Um, Jeremiah says, "Surely the idolatrous, com- idolatrous commotions, literally orgies, on the hills and the mountains, is a deception." But people, these travelers think, well, you know, I need help. In the, and these are offering help. And my neighbor said it works and all the rest of it. Now, you know, if we had time, we could talk about the help the world offers. But it's all counterfeits. No, it doesn't last. No, no, says the psalmist. My help, look what he says. My help comes from the Lord. Now, whatever I say this morning is irrelevant. What really matters, not irrelevant, but it's what, what matters is you get this scripture into your head. When the days come, you need to know this stuff. That's why as children we were taught to memorize it. And it's a jolly good thing, to put it mildly. He says, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. 
the, the maker of a, a, a thousand, sorry, a hundred billion galaxies who spoke it into being. That's where my help comes from. Now, it's difficult for us to compute, isn't it? I mean, we live in a small solar system, uh, which is part of the, our galaxy, the Milky Way, which is part of a hundred billion galaxies. How do you compute that? Someone said, if a galaxy is the size of a pea, it will just fill the Royal Albert Hall, all the ga- 100 billion galaxies. Well, my brain, didn't, that didn't help my brain a lot. <laughs> but, but when he says, the God who put all the laws into being, the laws of science, the laws of agriculture, the laws of how my body works, the laws of gravity, the, Lord who, the one who maintains all these laws, that's who I trust. That's, I can trust him. But then you notice, if you notice the, 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 the scripture, he changes then in verse 3. You see, these psalms are sung antiphonally. In other words, they would sing to each other. And now in verse 3, somebody else comes in and addresses you. Look, he says, he will, guide, he will, he will not let your foot slip. He watches over you. He's singing to them. The tenor comes in, and the big tenor voice, and sings to them. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade. You see? You see, what he's saying is, our God is more than the creator. He is the God who has made a covenant with his people, who loves his people. He's the God of grace, and who watches over his people. He will not let your foot he who watches over you will not slumber. You see? He who watches over Israel. You see, the very name he's given is Yahweh, which is a, the name which means one who's entered into covenant. He's made a covenant. He's a gracious God. He watches over you. Not simply he watches. There's a big difference, isn't it? If you go in the creche and the mom's watching her children, she's not just watching, she's watching over. There's a big difference. See, God didn't just throw the stars into being and then, right, we'll fold his arms and say, we'll see how you go on. And, you know, you can, you can be like that in life. I was just watching. I knew you'd come a cropper. I was watching you. I knew that would happen. But God's not like that. He watches over you. He, he tenderly cares for us. See, he's not simply a God of power. He's a God of grace. And he's committed that you will inherit your future. He looks over you. He looks after you. See, he holds us. See, my son, he has a foot, my younger son has a four-year-old little girl. When he says to her, hold my hand, she does hold his hand eventually. But um, and as they cross the road, what, what the security is not her holding his hand, but his holding hers. That's the security. It's not our feeble old of God that keeps me, alive, keeps me secure. It's his great grip of me and you that gives me confidence and faith. And uh, he's passionately interested in, in his people. He knows all about them. He's not a remote God. No, no. He will not let your foot slip. He knows what, the, he knows what life's about. It's, I know it's a metaphor, but he knows that life is a journey. He will not let your foot slip. Mountain journeys, life can be treacherous. And uh, he holds us and he grips us, not simply with the grip of power, the maker of heaven, but he who keeps Israel. It's a grip of love. It's a double grip. 
He holds us. I mean, Jesus, Jesus says the same, doesn't he? I give to them about his people, about you. He says, I give to them eternal life. And they will never perish. No one can snatch down my, my hands. But then there's a double grip. The Lord, that my Father, who has given them to me, is greater than them all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hands. So you've got a double grip. The Father and the Son. In fact, if I time, you could say the triple grip because... The apostle says, you know, the spirit himself yearns over us. He longs for us with a jealous longing. So you're well held, my friends. You're well held, he says. But he goes on. And this is a very simple psalm, really. He said his, his care for you is without interruption. He doesn't take his eyes off you. You know, like your children, you take your eyes off them, they're gone. He didn't, he didn't let that happen. You remember... Asaph, the great leader of the musicians in David's time, who led the musicians. And Asaph, the musician, said, you know, he says, he says, he says, you know, in Psalm 73, he says, but as for me, he said, my feet had, had almost slipped. I'd almost lost my foothold. I'd been looking at the world. I'd seen the sleekness of men outside God, and they were prospering. They didn't care tons about God, and, and, and they were doing well. They, they lived a, a careless life, and they were prospering. And I was thinking, what's the point of this faith? And he says, my foot was almost, almost slipped. I'd nearly lost it. Then he said, then I went into the sanctuary. Then I understood their end. Then I saw how it all finishes up. I saw their destiny. And that's why we come on a Sunday morning, you know, just to get back, to get true north again. Because our feet slip in the world. There's a great pressure. It's a, it's a tricky road, isn't it? It's not easy being a believer in Britain in these days. We need to come back. I think, where is God? Is he asleep? You know, the disciples in the boat with Jesus, and the, the boat's rocking, and Jesus is fast asleep. And they have to wake him. Don't you, don't you care that we perish? His sleep is more wakeful than your wakefulness. <laughs> and uh, sometimes they say, where is God? Is he asleep? No, no, he knows all. The psalmist himself, you know, the psalm says, awake, oh God, come on. Why do the heathen triumph and all the rest of it? But God knows. He's not taken by surprise, ever. He, he watches over, and he watches especially over his people. And then... <laughs> You see, look in verse 4. He says, uh, look. Well, actually, the, that's the Hebrew, but actually it's translated indeed. Indeed. Or better still, look, see. He who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. See, look. He doesn't sleep. I suppose the, the picture is, you know, Elijah on Mount Carmel. And Matt, you remember that story when Elijah takes the prophets of Baal on and they get the, the, the altar and they get the beast and they kill the beast and... And, and, and he says, come on then. And of course, the priests of Baal go around the altar. They cut themselves and they shout. And they, like the whirling dervish, you know. And, 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 I, and little Elijah says, you know, wake him up. Is he, is he asleep? Has he gone to relieve himself? You know, where is he? Because he, <laughs> there's no such thing. I'll show you. The God who answers by fire, let him be God. But it's that thing, you know, God never sleeps. This is the, this central truth repeated again and again and again, you know. But does he care? That's the secret. Not that the question I should say. It's things are really hard. 
Can we be assured of his love? How can we be assured? Well, because he's given his word. That's where we, 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 we rest. I mean, he said, you know, if he looks after Israel, which is no simple task, because they're away with people, surely he can look after you. Because his, his, his care, his watch, is without interruption, but also it's without exception. See, we often feel God is really concerned about the big people. You know, the people are on the platform, the Moses, the Elijahs, the Davids. No, no. No. I know you control the universe, but does he, is he concerned about me? You know? Can he deal with my situation, my problems? But God, the psalmist says, look, he can. He's got you in his hands. He's got you and my brother in his hands. And it's not like the bad cricketer who's butterfingers who drops the catch in the slips, you know. God doesn't drop his people. He's watching over you. His name, his reputation is at stake. He's watching over you. And, and the psalmist thinks of the two worst scenarios. Well, what about the sun by day? I mean, the sun is, is an enemy, not just a friend in the Middle East. It really beats down. and He's really referring to everything that happens through the day, in daylight. What happens in daylight? And he says, look, the psalmist says, the Lord is your shade. He looks after you. Your shade at your right hand. He stands guard. He looks after you. He'll care for you, whatever happens. You know? But then, what about the night time? The moon? The moon will not strike you by through the night. You see, they had a strange idea in those days that the moon had powers to do things. Weird things happen through the night from which we get our word lunacy. You know, people go mad through the night, lunacy. Demons come. And, and it can be in the, through the night, isn't it, like that? You know, at two o'clock in the morning, you're thinking about your kids and you're thinking about your money, you're thinking about your health. Oh, dear me. You think that way? No, no. The Lord looks after you through the night. He works the night shift, you know. He don't go to sleep. He looks after you. Let him stand. You, you get a good night's rest. Let him, he'll do the worrying for you. Don't worry about that. He, 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 he won't let the moon or any demon through the night strike you by night. Whatever happens, he looks after you. You're his people. Now, if you're not in Christ, if you're not a believer, there's nothing but darkness and fear. You know, we'll all worry. There is no comfort outside Jesus Christ. Just darkness and fear and confusion and, and even terrible prospect in eternity. But his watch over us. It's without interruption. It's without limitation. He looks after the least of us. The Lord will keep you from all harm. Literally, from all that is bad. I think some of your versions says, from all that's evil. Really? All harm? All that's bad? Yes. You see, we will go through hard times, my friends. We will have to go through the valley of the shadow of death. Our loved ones will die. And you will die, surprisingly, it seems, unless Jesus comes first. And we have, we're not exempt from this. But the Lord will, even though you pass through the valley of the valley of darkest gloom, the Lord will be with you, not even in front of you, but with you, alongside you. He will never leave you. And um, 
There's nothing can, can reach you without his sovereign gracious permission. No poison can get into your spirit. Unless you let it, you know. We are protected by the Lord himself. He will protect us from all evil, all harm. But you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know how hard it is. You say, well, what about the martyrs? What about the martyrs? 168,000 people are killed every year for Jesus Christ, at least. Is it? Yeah, about that number. And then there are thousands, millions, well, thousands today are in prison. Not just in, South, in North Korea, but throughout the world. For their faith, there are thousands of believers who have lost houses, lost jobs, lost influence because of their follow Jesus. I, I'm not denying that. But the Lord will protect you from all evil. Is it true? Well, for instance, if a surgeon's going to operate, you know, let's assume there's something wrong in your abdomen and he's going to, he's going to operate, you think, He's going, to what? he's going to take a knife he's going to, and he's going to cut and blood will flow. Yeah, but actually, don't worry. He has sworn the Hippocratic oath, which says he will promise to do no harm. And he will do you good. He will, uh, blood, blood will flow. Yeah, blood, but there are forceps. Don't worry, you'll be all right. He will do, do you no harm. The harm which doesn't harm you but does you good is not harm. And that's what it's about. He will do you no harm. You see, he will do you no evil, probably some translations. Evil, what is evil? Evil is that which destroys you spiritually. But he will protect you, you, you as a person, as a, what, at the center of your being. He will look after you. See, Paul says, we know all things work together for those who love God and accord according to his purpose. All things? Now, I found that word all very difficult. I have to be honest. I've seen things and what people have done to me and things have happened. You think, all things? All? All? Yeah, all. All? Yes, all. All things work together for good. For God's sovereign purposes to make you like his son. All things. There's nothing can penetrate into your soul and spirit without his permission. He is the shade on your, on your right hand in the, in the pressures and heats of storms and whatever of life. Blazing heat of the sun. He's, he's your shade. It's not, it will not harm you. You're ultimately and totally safe if you're in Christ for all eternity. And God uses all these things. Nothing would happen without his sovereign, gracious permission. I remember one guy who came to fame while he was on the television. Some of you would remember him, Malcolm Muggeridge. And he was a writer and a broadcaster. And he came to faith late in life. And he writes this. I can say with complete truthfulness that everything I've learned in my 75 years, everything that has Truly en- enhanced and enlightened my existence has been through affliction and not through happiness, whether pursued or attained. It's the cross, more than anything else, that has called me inextricably to Christ. I think he might be right. 
You won't fail, my friends. He will keep you. You are his people. You are, his name is at stake. All the waters in the world, my friends, in the oceans, <laughs> will not sink a ship unless it gets into the ship. And all the troubles in life will not sink you unless they get into you. And he will look after you. Paul says, look, what, who or what shall separate us from the love of God in Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, or we'd probably say, or terrorists? For it's written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, all these things, these things, all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced, says Paul, that nothing, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else, anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. He's convinced. You see, he watches over you. And finally, he says, his watch is without end. Look what he says. He will watch over your life. Not day by day, my friends. Not hour by hour. Not minute by minute, but second by second. He looks over you. He looks after you. He, he, he pledges him to watch over you. From this time forth and forevermore. I mean, what could be more sweeping than that? You see, the Latin Vulgate translates it this. The Lord, no, may the Lord watch over you. As a wish, may the Lord watch over you. May the Lord be your shade at your right hand, uh, etc. May the Lord keep you from all harm. No, it's not a, a wish, it's a promise. He promises it. The Lord will watch over you. The Lord watches over you. The Lord will keep you. He will look after you. It's a promise. He's given his word. It's a whatever time, day and night, coming and going, now and forever. It's a fully comprehensive covenant, right? You're safe. It's good news. It's good news. You can't improve on it, my friends. Now, having said that, that in all insurance companies, read the small print. Let me read the small print. I'll be honest. Jesus says, you will be betrayed even by parents, brothers, relatives, and friends. And they will put some of you to death. All men will hate you because of me. The modern church in Britain needs to hear that. But not a hair of your head will perish. By standing firm, you will gain life. Jesus is an uh, absolute realist. Now, what do we have to do? Well, every morning, we set, as David says, I set the Lord always before me. Because he's at my right hand, says David, I will not be shaken. Every morning, we set the Lord before us. We listen to the Lord. My sheep hear my voice. We listen. Now, you say, well, that's the problem. I'm not like one of these spiritual people. I don't hear God. How many people have said that to me? Well, let me just give you a tip. It's very simple. Do you want to know how to hear God? It's called this. Open your Bible. The Lord watches over you. He will keep you. 
Nothing will separate you. What more can he say than what he has said? And read it long enough until it gets into your head. He looks after you. He loves you. He loves you so much, he can't take his eyes off you. You see? Yeah, but you don't know my problems. They're huge. I remember I was in Edinburgh. I remember a story about a man who bought his first Rolls Royce. Do you remember that day? No, you don't remember that day, when you got your first Rolls Royce. <laughs> this is before the days of email. Anyway, he got this Rolls Royce, and he really liked it. And he, you know, the, the, the brochure, and he read the brochure, and he, he really, he was through with this car, but he, he wanted to know, how powerful is it? You know, how powerful is it? So he wrote to Derby, Rolls Royce Derby, and said, could you tell me the horsepower of this vehicle? Because it's not in the brochure. And it's quite, this is before the days of email. And they wrote back to him on the telegram. Before the, remember the days of telegrams? One word on this telegram, adequate. And that's it, my friend. Whatever you have to face, the grace of God is adequate. It's sufficient. He will look after you. He will look after you. You know, and, and, and see, that, how do you start worrying? You start worrying by you just believe what God says about you. You believe that he loves you and he cares for you. What more can he do? What more can he do? He's given you his word. You know, in, the, in, the, um, in Africa they say, God is good all the time. God is good all the time. Well, God watches over me. All the time. Let's say that. God watches over me all the time. Now, I say, well, I find that hard to believe. Will I make it to the end? Will I make it to the end? Well, we're going to break bread now. And what you've got to see is, you've got to get hold of the big thing. You've got to get hold of the big thing, that he died for you. If he spared not his own son, will he not graciously along with him graciously give us all things? You remember, some of you of riper years, those of you over 90, will remember that film, uh, The Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments, right? Cecil B. DeMille's, was it Charlton Heston? Well, anyway, it was a long time ago. But the great thing, you know, the, God did all these miracles in Egypt, you know, the plagues, and because and the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, let the Israelites go. And they come to the Red Sea, he parts the waters, and then there's the, his glory cloud stands behind them. But in the film, the funny thing was, I don't know who directed it, or who did that, whatever it was, but there's a little man saying, somebody pointed this out to me, come on, hurry, 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 hurry. What a lot of rubbish. He's, not, I mean, he's, he's got the pillar of cloud behind you, mate. He's dealt with the Egyptians. Do you not think he can hold back long enough to you to get across? When you come, <laughs> see the big thing. I know you have a lot of problems, but the big thing, he's done that for you. Will he not help you to do all the little things? He will get you there, right? I mean, James, Jude says, to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault. Can you believe that? And with, with great joy to the only God our Savior, be glory and majesty, power and authority 
both now and before all time and forevermore. He can do it. God looks, watches over me all the time. Let's say it. God watches over me all the time. Now, come on, this is a, this is a, a theater. This Let's have a bit of fortissimo, you know? No, no. God watches over me all the time. Let's say it again. God watches over me all the time. And all the people said, Amen. That's it. Amen.